Once again, welcome to Running Unopposed, in person this time, for the first time in our podcast history. So that's very exciting. Uh, big round of applause there. I don't know if my clapping got picked up on mic. We'll find out later. I just I vocalized the clap by going clap, 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 clap. I, I heard, I heard. <laughs> this is very interesting. It like totally changes the dynamic of the podcast to have us be in person. Why are we... I know we have to be careful. Talk closer to the mic. Talk closer to the mic. I know we have to be careful because of the, uh, because of the feedback and stuff. But why are we suddenly talking like Mr. Burns now that we have on the bike and headphones? I don't know. You want to talk a little louder? That's fine. No, it's not even the it's not even the loudness. We're just talking like Mr. Burns. We're like we're like on our podcast. Excellent, excellent. Today we will be covering a very honorable businessman, a man long teased on this podcast. I Mark, can't do British, I'm sorry. Mark Thatcher. That's correct. Mark, I forget his middle name, Thatcher. Ezekiel. That cannot be his middle name. No, it's probably... Wait, let me guess. Uh, I'm going to look now. Mark... Fuck, what's his middle name? Uh, <laughs> Francois. Mark Thatcher. It's probably... It's Helmut. That's my final guess, Helmut. I don't think he has a middle name. Oh. Uh, yeah, it just says Sir Mark Thatcher. Wait, can I see a picture of him? I forgot what he looks like. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'm also going to use a picture as the episode, but okay. yeah. Because this is, you, you can't show images. In a, he just kind of looks like a regular guy. He looks a lot like his father, actually. Oh my God, do they leave him in the microwave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he kind of does look like that. Uh, listener, look up a picture of Mark Thatcher, or I'll just use one for the episode. You'll see what I mean. So anyways, he is the son of former UK Prime Minister and current resident of hell, Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) (laughs) Am I allowed to say that? I think I'm allowed to say that. (laughs) Well, she's dead. She can't sue me. Well, they don't actually uh, give uh, working visas to Brits in hell anymore after the Windrush fallout. So (laughs) it was kind of a diplomatic incident. So uh, even hell was like, your immigration policies are too strict for us, Britain. Yeah, no, and uh, Mark Thatcher would never illegally immigrate, so or Margaret Thatcher would never illegally immigrate into hell, so. 
Well, Margaret Thatcher did have a penchant for doing illegal things, which we'll get into in a minute. So he was born in 1953, along with his twin sister, Carol. They were born via C-section six weeks early, and according to Carol's memoirs, uh, their father, Dennis Thatcher, said upon seeing them, My God, they look like rabbits. Put them back. (laughs) Is that a joke? No, that's a real thing he said, apparently. This is according to an article I read of Carol Thatcher talking about her childhood. I wonder what else, what other compliments he said during their childhood. uh, She basically didn't mention him other than that, so probably not a lot. Yeah, he's probably Um, not a good guy. Dennis was supposedly at a cricket match when labor started and didn't arrive until after they were born. (laughs) Wait, he missed his kid's birth for a cricket match? (laughs) Well, they didn't have cell phones in 1953, so he he couldn't have known. I guess, but Margaret probably knew where he was. Couldn't she just have had a guy, like, drive out and then, like... I don't know. I mean, she wasn't even in Parliament yet, so probably but not. But like, shouldn't he? But like, she was probably like at the hospital. I mean, couldn't she just like told them? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he really wanted to watch that cricket match. I tried to figure out who was playing that day. I could not. Sorry. I mean, to be fair, it was six weeks before. He probably wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, Carol described her mother as absentee, and from what I read, Mark was the obvious favorite child of Margaret. She would hand wash and press and fold his shirts, even while she was prime minister. Wait, wasn't he, like, 29 when that happened? Yes, yes, he was. Or he was, like, 26, maybe? Yes. Uh, She once said of him, he could sell snow to the Inuits and sand to the Arabs. She didn't say the word Inuit. You can take a wild guess what word she said. You know what it was. (laughs) Was just the one with I? Just Indian? No, it was uh, the one with E. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. A slight tangent, a couple quick facts about uh, Carol Thatcher. She won the fifth season of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Her introduction was skydiving into the main camp, but she wasn't an experienced skydiver, so she spent the rest of the day getting sick. Wait, what? uh, What do you mean rest of the day getting sick? I guess skydiving made her nauseous. I don't know. I've never been skydiving. Oh, I thought you were going to say that she like broke her coccyx like like the grandma on Napoleon Dynamite. That would be cool, but no. (laughs) Um, one of her challenges, I, I don't know what the show is, I guess they do challenges, uh, involved eating kangaroo testicles, which she described as squelchy and grotty. Was this a dystopian game show? Like, I really don't know. I didn't watch the show. I just read an article about her life. This sounds like, a, who made this game show? R.L. Stein? <laughs> I really don't this know. This doesn't sound like a real game this show. Is what Brit- this is what all British television is to me. The only British show I've ever actually watched is Taskmaster, which is also just let's make people do stupid things for money. Although Doctor Who is very good, I will say. I've never seen it. It's I like it. I don't <laughs> think you would like it, but it is a good show, objectively. <laughs> All right. Way to, way to just roast me. I see how it is. Another quick digression about the family I could not include. Dennis Thatcher, father of Mark, went to Nazi Germany in 1937, while he was employed at his father Thomas Thatcher's company, Atlas Preservatives. Wait, Thomas? Thomas Thatcher. Oh, if I said Hamas, like Hamantaschen, or like homicide. Yes, that's right. Uh, Hamas Thatcher. Or like, uh, or Haggis, or I was confused. Yeah. I was thinking of a lot There's of things. There's no Scottish blood in this family. Come on. <laughs> no, um, Thomas Herbert Thatcher was from New Zealand, I think. Um, I don't remember, though. Now, I didn't find any evidence that the company did business in Nazi Germany, but I also didn't find any explanation of why he took that visit. So I'm not going to say their company did business with Nazi Germany. But I'm also not going to say they didn't. Plenty of people go to like tour, go as tourists to places that aren't democracies without like necessarily doing business or supporting the policies. 
okay, but there's a difference between not a democracy and literally Nazi Germany. Okay, but you get my point. You can't just just because he visited, it's it's a it's a leap from saying from oh he visited to saying oh he was like constructing death camps or. I'm, I'm not saying he was constructing death camps. I'm just saying he took a visit to Nazi Germany. That's not libel. I can prove it. Okay, yeah. No. But I'm just saying you can't really— <laughs> If I go farther than that, it might become I'm just libel, saying you, you can't, but I'm not going to. I feel like you're implying something, and you can't really prove anything just from saying he was at the place. No. I'm just going to say his company might have done business with the Nazis and yeah, might have been responsible for that. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to cut that. <laughs> Regardless— <laughs> Uh, he was also um, part of the Burma Oil Company, who uh, did a lot of drilling in the Middle East and South Asia. And uh, we're also part of the 1953 coup in Iran, although he didn't start working for them until the 60s. Are you sure? Wait, the Burma Oil Company? Yes. Not the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company? The Anglo-Persian Oil Company was a subsidiary of the Burma Oil Company. Oh, okay, okay. It eventually merged, along with like three other British oil companies, into British Petroleum. Uh, which ah, okay. British Petroleum will probably come up again on this podcast, uh, but not in Haven't this episode. Haven't they caused like, several big oil spills? Yes, among other things. Uh, he also once said his wife was, quote, stitched up by the bloody BBC poofs and trots in, 1938, in 1983. So I think that sums up his character well enough. What is that? What, poofs and what? What does that mean? Poofs is British, like, homophobic slang. Yeah, that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, I had to look that one up. I didn't realize that they say poofs to me in, like, gay guys in a homophobic way. Yeah, um, I think I... Well, do- I guess because they use the F slur to mean cigarette, so you can't say that for a gay man. But they so you have to come up with a different slur, but I guess. I don't think they use the full F slur for cigarette. I think it's just the first three letters. Yeah, I know. But that's still a slur for a gay man. Yeah, but maybe yeah. they use the full one for gay men. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I always wondered how, like, Bundle of Sticks came to be, like, gay man. Someone who knows about uh, etymology, uh, hit me up and hit us up yeah. in the podcast DMs and explain the etymology of the F slur to me. Because I'm not going to look it up. Somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me it's, like, Bundle of Sticks looks like penises so a bunch of gay men bunch of penises yeah that could be it that i don't know if that's a... actually true or if that's just something i heard at summer camp when gonna, i was like 14 but i'm gonna choose to believe it's because mussolini was having a lot of gay sex wait what what is it yeah oh, I'm I, just oh gonna i guess the that. oh the axe yeah yeah i'm just gonna allege that um and if you prove me wrong uh you're either a fascist or homophobic uh depending on which direction you go so yeah you can't say anything to me. anyways back to mark he was six when Margaret was first elected as an MP in 1959. Or Dartford? I think or so. Or no, or Finchley. I don't remember. I didn't oh. write it down. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's first ever television interview featured her holding the twins. Uh, Mark was sent off to boarding school at age eight, and I didn't really find anything about his life before the age Wait, of eight. he left home when he was eight years old? To boarding school, yes. That's kind of weird. That's just how British people don't raise their children. That's the thing I realized researching this episode. Say, not all British people. Like, no, like upper class British people specifically hate their fucking children. That's just a thing I've learned. Yeah, no, <laughs> a lot of the guys who end up becoming prime ministers go off to eat when they're like 11. Yeah, it's like, it's very like, you know... Back in, like, the olden days, you would just send them off to join the Rhodesian Light Infantry, but now you just have to send them off to boarding school. Was the Rhodesian Light Infantry full of rich kids, though? I have no idea. I was going to say, I feel like if you want to send your kids away, you would have just sent them to Eton. Yeah, maybe. But it's the same thing where, like, you know, in the 1700s and the 1800s, you would send off your fail children to India. 
to like become viceroys or like you know like he needs to become a real man that's right he needs to be like whipped into shape by the 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 indians or whatever no i think it's by the british and they whip them into shape by fighting indians that's right they fight the indians um, what was wait let me guess did uh mark go to eaton college by any chance and then oxford uh no it's actually uh, it's about to be way funnier than that cambridge um, no You'll see. He went to the Harrow School. Oh, that's another elite school, right? Yes. But uh, he passed three O-levels to graduate high school. And I could not for the life of me figure out what the fuck an O-level is, but I'm pretty sure only getting three of them means you're a really bad student. No, I think there's some people... I don't think... No, I don't think it's getting three O levels is that bad. Okay. Well, I found an article that said his classmates teased him a lot, and he was considered the dumbest student in the school. And uh, his nickname among the other students was Thicky Mork. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, thick is like slang for an idiot in Britain. No, I know. Like, what oh, that he's means. a bit thick, mate. What? Like that means he's stupid. No, but Thicky Mork. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know why Mork. Like I guess Mork that's, and Mindy. I maybe. All I can think of is that's just how you say Mark in a British accent. Uh, uh, no, it'd be in more like, like a pot. It'd be more like Mock. It wouldn't be like Mork. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a specific posh accent at the Harrow School. Mork is what you say if you're doing a really bad impression of like a Brooklyn of a guy from Brooklyn. Oi, it's Mork. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, that's that's right. a really bad like, um, Brooklyn accent. I don't know. The art. No article explained it. They just said it was Thicky Mork. So there you go. He also failed the exam to get into accountancy school. Do you want to guess how many times he failed it? Double or single digits? Just single digits. Seven. Lower. Four. Three. Oh, fuck. Yeah, which is impressive that they let you take it that many times. You can take the MCAT seven times. Can you really? Yeah, which... That's amazing. Which I makes feel, you, like, which I makes feel you, like if you fail the MCAT six times, I don't want you as my doctor. I was gonna <laughs> say, if you're failing the... If you're not... Do, or I don't think you can pass or fail the MCAT, but it's kind of like the SATs, I think, where there's no pass-fail. Yeah, oh, it's just way, like depending yeah, on what score you get. But if you can't get into meds... If it takes you six times to get a good MCAT score. I'm starting to think that you're that you should not pick medicine as your career path. Yeah, I'm starting to think maybe you should go into a different business. Um, well, once is fine. You maybe you were tired that day. Maybe there was a death in the family. Maybe you got cocky and didn't study enough. I don't know. Yeah. But six times there there's something going on. You're either a very slow learner in terms of fixing your mistakes or you're just bad at science. Either way, I do not want you as my doctor. Yeah, unless you're giving me like sheep doctor. Unless you're like the doctor from the beginning of Neuromancer. I don't want you. Um, well, I was thinking more like I was thinking that was more like a vibe of like Doctor Nick on The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, that's the other option. Instead of being like cool underground doctor who gives you illegal implants, it's like Doctor Nick who just prescribes you like random stimulants. <laughs> will this help me? Will this help cure my uh, fibromyalgia? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Here's Crocodile. Will this stop my cravings for junk food? Sure. <laughs> Call 1-800-DOCTOR. The B is for bargain. <laughs> some people say, now, you're going to hear some reviews of, yes, it stopped my hunger cravings, but um, uh, but I also uh, wasn't alive to experience them. Now, is that figurative? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look into it. I don't want to. However, take this and let me just say, uh, you're going to feel like a different guy tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some people say they feel so light it's as if they don't have skin i don't know what that means i'm i'm not going to find out yeah. however here you go go fucking nuts 
I'm giving you the drug from the eighth Hellraiser movie where it like makes you hallucinate that you're at a party even though you're actually just buried alive. I'm just going to give you that. All right? That sounds good. Fantastic. Honestly, I was expecting you to say it would be more like you think you're at a party, but like you're actually just uh, Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now where you're just, na- where you're just naked in a hotel room in Saigon and bleeding while you're just and just screaming. <laughs> That's kind of gender, honestly. That's kind of what? That's kind of gender, honestly. What does like, that mean, gender? Like being naked in a hotel room, screaming, dying in the dying in Vietnam in the 60s. I don't think he like, died. I could see that. No, he didn't. He just like becomes Kurtz at the end. Spoilers for Apocalypse Now, I guess. Wait, he becomes came... Kurtz? I don't remember that. I don't remember. Doesn't he become Kurtz at the end? We watched that movie together. Yeah, like for we need to watch that movie again. We do need to watch that movie again. Is this, this is breaking a copyright laws? No, we're allowed to talk about movies. I don't know. Like on TV shows, they don't mention certain products. I know. Keep the mic near your like, mouth. Um, I know on TV shows. No, we're they... allowed to mention movies. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I've noticed like when I was a kid on like Nickelodeon shows, they would have like knockoff versions of products, and I always thought it was for copyright. Uh, for products, you're generally not supposed to mention them. But as far as I know, for podcasts, it's fine. Oh, okay. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess it's different because this is like public act, like the equivalent of like public access for radio. Yeah, this is the equivalent of public access. No one is fucking yeah, watching. Fair. No, the reason they don't do it for um, those things is to avoid giving them free publicity. Oh, so, like, so know, it's not for, a legal thing. It's more of a yeah. It's because they what they're like. All right, if you know on our popular Nickelodeon show, if you want us to show an Apple product. You better fork over some cash, Apple. Otherwise, we're going to make up our own shit to avoid giving you publicity. Oh, uh, okay. It's more of like a competition thing than a legal thing. Yeah. Oh, I always thought Where, it was like um, legal. No one's, no one's paying us to mention anything. We have like six listeners. So uh, it's fine. That's actually not true. Our uh, new sponsors, uh, the uh, Dakar Rally, um, <laughs> we are proud to announce. Wait, um, I, I in I honor of Mark <laughs> Thatcher, our new sponsors, the Dakar Rally. Now I, I might have to cut some next things. Next week, Rose is now. Rose is going to go on a uh, is going to go onto a race car race through the sub-Saharan desert. Now, will she get lost? Probably. Will I go and save her? Definitely not. I want to do this <laughs> podcast alone. She is. Ta- Guess what? We make twelve cents a month from this. She is taking ten. If I get all of that twelve cents in the year forty nine sixty four, I will have made. Upwards of ten thousand dollars. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, so according to a BBC profile I read of Thatcher, he had several random jobs after he failed the accounting exam. Each lasted about a year. He tried to get into the jewelry business, uh, sort of be like an uncut gem style guy. But wait, like as he a gem. tried to get into the jewelry business and then did stuff in Africa. Was he, tra- was he, was it the blood diamond business? This is a genuine question. No, we'll, we'll get into his time in Africa. Don't worry. Um, he, um, he also tried to start a company that would manufacture and design, quote, electronically tracked shopping trolleys that went nowhere. I'm not sure what electronically tracked shopping trolleys I guess it's like, exactly could, means. I guess it's like, you know how like a lot of homeless people have like shopping carts? Yeah, I guess it's maybe like you can electronically track them, so like you can tell when there's like one missing or something, so you could like prevent them from getting stolen. Ah, That's so it's all I can the most of. evil business of all time, or maybe <laughs> just like preventing people in general from stealing shopping carts. I don't know who's out here stealing shopping carts. I have a I know a guy who did that. 
<laughs> yeah, no, his whole thing, he goes, he goes, come join me. And I go, why? It's it's night. I'm in my pajamas. And he goes, yeah, my friend and I stole a shopping cart and we're pushing it down this flight of, this flight of stairs on the D train. Come join us. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm in bed. What the hell are you talking about? Who was this? I'm not saying the name. Okay, I'll tell me off mic. <laughs> no, but he was like, he was like, come with me. My friend and I stole a bunch of shopping carts and we're riding them down this, a flight of stairs <laughs> on the subway. Oh, my God. I um, this is off topic, but one sec. Heavy uh, movie recommendation on YouTube. There's a documentary called Carts of Darkness about uh, Carts guy- of Darkness. Yeah, it's about uh, guy. It's about homeless guys in the Toronto area who steal shopping carts and race with them. It's one of the greatest documentaries I've ever seen. It's free on YouTube from the Canadian Film Institute. That sounds, really like, good. That sounds like an episode of like The Simpsons or something where like yeah, Homeware accidentally becomes like a shopping cart mogul, but like I don't know, like ends up like be- but like because of like a deal gone bad with like some sort of obscure like with like with like some sort of like obscure French businessman like ends up having to sell his kids for as collateral or something. Yeah, at first you watch it and you think it's gonna be funny, and then you realize it's actually like really profound and about the meaning of life. I really recommend it. I'll link it in the episode description. Regardless, uh, so eventually our boy Marky, our boy Thicky Mark, uh, <laughs> starts setting up business connections in Hong Kong and the Middle East, as well as founding Mark Thatcher Racing. So he has two countries where he has business connections. My favorite country, the Middle East. I yes. was I was gonna say it doesn't really narrow it down. There's like yeah, I know there's like ten countries there. <laughs> I. He, every article just said he set up business connections in the Middle East. I assume, we'll get into some specific ones later. Don't worry. I assume that that just means he had connections with guys who had like tax havens all over. Yeah, probably. Um, Mark Thatcher really hates paying taxes, as you'll see later, uh, as is a running theme on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, so now before we get into Mark Thatcher Racing, the car racing company, no, wait. we need to talk about the 1982 Paris Dakar rally. Wait, wait. So, you know how you just said that not liking paying taxes is a theme on the podcast? That's correct. It is. We should change our name of the podcast to The Tax Murderers. I kind of like that. Can we please? No. What? The Tax Murderers? I'll consider it. Okay. What about this? Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, the Tax Murderers make it sound like we're like <laughs> a right-wing Grover Norquist-funded podcast. <laughs> Wait, we're not? Is Grover Norquist giving you money? Wait, who is that guy who gave my social security number to v- via via Uvu? <laughs> is that is just Uvu? is that just a random guy? What the fuck is Uvu? Okay, I need to make a call. <laughs> okay, my stomach feel. I think I might. I think I might have just uh, sold myself into indentured servitude. I need to go throw up. I feel sick. <laughs> All right, join me for my for the first solo episode of Running Unopposed because Gabe has decided to, to become a slave somewhere in Eastern Europe. What was I going to say? Um, uh, no, let's see. We could be the tax murderers. We could be uh, the taxuaries. Um, the taxuaries is kind of baller. I let's like see. It. We could be um, all tax what he's taxing. Um, uh, <laughs> tax what he's taxing. <laughs> let's see. There's Literally um, all of these sound like like libertarian. Podcasts. Let's see. There's um. Uh, let's see. Um. Uh, let's see. There's taxo truck. Um, taxo truck. Okay. <laughs> sure. Why let's not? See. Um. Uh, taxis. Um, Metaxis. I was going to say, what if it was Metaxis and we were a Greek fascist podcast? (laughs) No. What Um, if we both learned Greek and got really into fascism? That could be fun. Um, uh, 
there's a editor's note. It would not be fun. What's we can just uh, we could also just put tax in random cities' names. Uh, let's see. Uh, Taxholm. Uh, what if instead Tax of Eve? Uh, Taxstanbul. What if um, Taxstantinople? <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Taxtican City. What um, if uh, instead of New Jack City, it was New Tax City, <laughs> and it was uh, a podcast about um, the Congressional Ways and Means Committee? Let's see. Taxaw. Um, I don't. I'm just. I'm and just how, going. How with long is this bit going to go on Let's for? Let's see. Um, uh, tax rent. I don't know. Uh, new t- tax. I. I don't know. I'm. 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 I'm running out of steam here. Okay. Anyways, so we need to talk about the 1982 Paris Dakar rally. Tax Kong. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Great new video game, by the way. Tax Kong. <laughs> You're Donkey Kong, but uh, you have to stop people from getting welfare. <laughs> It's the new 90s video games released by the uh, Democratic Leadership Committee. If um, we have any, like, autistic election Twitter uh, listeners, please tell us whether demographically Mario would have been, is, an, is a Democrat or a Republican. I'm curious. Well, depends. If you're going by the American perspective, he's a Republican because he yes, wears red. But if he's but because he's Italian and red was the color of the Italian Communist Party, he is a hardcore commie. Okay, so he's a Republican socialist. Okay, that's sort of an interesting ideology. Regardless. I mean, if you're in Ireland, that like makes perfect sense. Though. Okay, fair. In Ireland, that's a regular ideology. In America, it's a weird yeah. one. Wait, one sec. And we are rolling. Are you ready, Abe? Yes, this is our uh, new... Welcome back to the tax murderers. We are not called the tax murderers. We're still running on a post. What? Come on. consider any name changes off mic. Anyways. Tax murderers is so much better. Please just let me read off my script. Please, I'm begging you. It's so much... <laughs> I just came up with all those jokes. I'll tax what he's taxing. I got tax Dantinople. Don't worry. That was tax all on dad. Um, tax dad sounds like a really shitty superhero. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my, like... That's gonna be uh, my like liberal superhero. He's tax dad. Oh, I thought I thought it'd be like a conservative superhero where it's like, "Mommy, can I get a dollhouse?" And he's like, "Without earning it, I don't think so." <laughs> tax dad. Tax dad. Tax dad. Anyways, so tax Chicago. Um, that you didn't even. It should be like Taxago or something. Tax Jacksonville. Um, tax Miami, <laughs> to Sammy. I don't know. Uh, anyways, so we need to talk about the Paris Dakar rally. Uh, it, the Dakar ra- the tax Paris Dakar. Okay, <laughs> the the Paris Dakar rally, which is now just called the Dakar rally. I don't know why, is a race with multiple stages covering many days. And in the racing community, which is a hu- apparently fucking huge, by the way. I didn't know this was, like, a big thing, but it very much is. No, this is a huge event. People come from around the world for this. Yeah, like, hundreds of people are participating in this race. I think and it even, has even expanded. I think they have races in the Middle East now, even. Yeah, there's, they, um, for a while, they um, stopped hosting it in West Africa because of, like, an insurgency in Mali or something. Yeah, there are several, maybe one, if not several, insurgencies slash civil wars. And, you know, unsurprisingly, they did not want their drivers to get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. I See, I think that just adds to the sport. You have to, like, avoid, like, Islamist insurgents in Mali. That's just another obstacle. That's always... That's, that actually is why I stopped playing Mario Kart. 
<laughs> you kept getting kidnapped by Malian insurgents. No, just like maybe they should have like a version of Mario Kart, but it's like, but it's like you're in first place, but then you get into eighth place. But instead of the guy on the cloud, it's a uh, bunch of people, the Azov Battalion, uh, stop you and take all your power ups. Or there should be another gag where it's like, oh, I got out of like Mosul on skates, but what's that? I'm now like in Hebron and there's a riot, so I get t- stuck in last place. Uh oh. What do? Uh oh. What happens? You keep on driving. Uh oh. Debt crisis in Greece. More riots. The birds are burned. The roads are burned down. You can't drive. How do you burn a road? I okay, but like I don't know. Like all the people are there. Like there's cracks because of like all the shit that's being dropped. I don't know. Okay. Um, Rainbow so it- Road has been overtaken by the yellow vest. You can't drive. <laughs> Uh-oh. Wah, wah, wah. So, uh... Here. Wait, 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 wait. What's happening? Um, uh, there are poll tax rights in London. Uh-oh. Here we go. I'm sorry. Does London have a poll tax? Not in the way you're thinking of, but that was a thing Thatcher introduced. Not, like, a tax on voting. Okay. No, it wasn't that kind of poll tax. It's a different thing in England, but it did cause her to resign. Oh, that's and cool. There were, and there were riots. All right, that's awesome. Yeah. So the Paris to car race it rally is called an endurance race in the community, uh, which basically just means that it's extremely long and mostly off-road, uh, therefore harder to drive and harder to know where you're going. How many people die per year? Uh, I'll get into it. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, the distance of the original Paris Dakar route is roughly 10,000 kilometers or 6,200 miles. The current route is different, but this is the route they were using in 1982. Also, I do feel a need to mention this is a dangerous ass race. In 1988, six people died. <laughs> three were drivers who crashed, and three were just random people who got hit. One of them was a 10 year old girl. Wait, so these are did, like, did the drivers stop or did they just keep no, going? No, they just hit people and kept going. No one has. None of the people in '98 were ever prosecuted for the three people they murdered. Do they even know who did it? No. Oh, so, it's, oh, so they they literally just treated it like Mario Kart, where it's like you hit like, literally, where, yes, like you just hit a mushroom a- and you're like, oh, yes, damn. Literally, okay. they are treating Africans like it's Mario Kart. Oh, it's really fucked up. Uh, Seventy-six <laughs> people have died in the fifty-ish years they've held this race. So that's an average of over of like you know one and a half-ish per year. But keep in mind, there was one year where there was six, so there have been years where no one's died. But they're, they're not the norm. Anyways, Mark Thatcher decided to enter this race in 1982. He'd done some rally driving up to this point, though, but nothing to this degree. That's fine, though. About 80% of the participants in the Paris to Car rally are amateurs. Most people aren't trying to win. They're just trying to finish. And Mark Thatcher had a key advantage. He had Annie Charlotte... Okay, it looks like Vernie, but she's French, so I'm going to say Vernay as his co-driver. She had competed in the 24 Hours of Le Mans race for nearly 10 years prior to this race. The 24 Hours of Le Mans race is exactly what it sounds like. There isn't a specific distance you have to traverse in the minimum possible time, like a regular race. You have to cover as much ground as you can in 24 hours. Wait, where do you... So, like, there's no finish line? No, you just go around a track for... 24 hours straight oh i thought i didn't realize it was going around a track i thought it was more like you just have to like drive some like <laughs> all over france and it's like whoever covers the most distance or like has the craziest story like wins the prize no it's literally you oh. go around in circles for 24 hours straight that sounds, it sounds terrible like actual hell 
I'm not sure how anyone does this for fun. In case you're curious, the record is 3,360 miles or 5,410 kilometers. I was going to say, the Dakar Rally at least sounds like it has stakes and there's and there's off-road routes and stuff and, you know, all sorts of danger. This just sounds boring. Yeah, no, this sounds like the worst thing ever. I don't know why anyone does this. Just this just sounds like a, the, a really shitty teacup ride, but for a whole day. And you, <laughs> yes, but also it's 24 hours and straight you also, and you're not allowed to stop. And you might die. Either, and you might die on the teacup. Oh, yeah, a bunch of people have died during that race. I couldn't find a specific number, or if I did, I didn't put it in my notes. Regardless, and Annie Charlotte Verney had done it many times and was an accomplished driver. Before the race, Mark Thatcher told a journalist from the BBC, I've now raced in Le Mans and other things. This rally is no problem. Why? Stop doing the British accent. You're, you, why are you Richard Nixon? <laughs> I am not a crook. No, it would be more It would be more like, I have crashed in the Dakar rally many times. By the way, when he said, I've now raced in Le Mans. Henry, my engine has not been up to speed. <laughs> yes, Mr. President. <laughs> we will make sure that you win the Dakar rally. Very good, very good. By the way, when he said, I've now raced in Le Mans, what he meant is that he participated in 1980 and 1981. And uh, guess how that went for him? I'm going to wait. Can we can I guess how many hours he managed to go around the track? I couldn't actually find how many hours he went. He made it. But um, what would you guess? I'm going to guess four. Yeah, I'm going to guess seven. Okay, so you're a little more generous, but we're both. But um, both times he crashed and failed to finish. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like even if you're an amateur in the Dakar rally, like, I feel like you would at least, even if you're not a professional, you at least want to like complete a race successfully. Yeah. So do we want to guess how the Paris-Dakar rally went for him? Um, I know what actually happens, but I don't want to spoil it. Unless okay. do you want to, do you want to reveal it or should I? Um, well, I'm doing the episode, so I'll reveal it. But listener, I'll give you a second to uh, guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll play the Jeopardy theme song here. Actually, that's probably copyright. I probably can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's probably as much as I'm allowed to hum before we get like copyright attacked. Let's just say there. Let's just say um, uh, you've experienced this if you've been on Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. That's correct. Actually, that's um, probably not true. You have not experienced this. Yeah. Um. If your guest listener was he got lost for six days along with his co-driver and mechanic, you'd be right. Step right up and claim your did prize. He, did they did they have water with them? Yes. Okay. I found an article quoting a close confidant of Margaret Thatcher saying that the only time he ever saw her cry was during those six days because he was mummy's favorite. In 2004, Mark Thatcher wrote a piece in The Guardian detailing the ordeal, which I'll link in the sources uh, section of the description. Uh, One quote that really stood out to me reading it was, I did absolutely no preparation, nothing. I did half a day's testing, and the day after that, we were driving out of the Palace de la Concorde. Just read it in the normal voice. You're not Nixon. Stop. (laughs) But I'm having fun. You're not Nixon. Never But I'm having fun. He says the car he was driving, a Peugeot 504. Was it a French car? Yeah, P-E-U-G-E-O-T. Knowing this guy's decision-making, I'm surprised it wasn't, like, a Ford Model T or, like... (laughs) Or like I don't know, or like some sort of like, or like I don't know, like some sort of Volkswagen that like they made in like 1937. <laughs> yeah, he actually did it in an authentic Nazi tank. <laughs> that honestly probably would have been like more efficient though, because more like less likely to get like knocked off course. Although this probably has like a lot of hills and stuff. Yeah. Um, Although tanks are good for hills, they're not good for mountains. Yeah, according to him, the Peugeot 504, it has a long wheelbase, and I don't know what that means in a literal sense. But according to him, it means that that's bad because it, as the race is all off-road and bumpy. 
uh, he says that they hit something. He isn't sure what, and the real a- the rear axle of the car just broke off. So he was doing. This was like the real life version of when Anakin Skywalker went pod racing, and his and like the screws just start breaking off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, other people saw them, but according to him, when they finished that section. They said he and Verne were 25 miles west of the route when they were actually 25 miles east. Wait, how do they get? How do you get lost off the route? Uh, because there is like a route you're supposed to follow, but no, it's but like it's like a dirt road, so it's not. Like, oh, I guess it's not like super clear boundaries. Yeah, so like you can go off it. I don't know, maybe to save time or something. Um, however, he says he was never scared because they had enough water for a few weeks. Uh, he says he was quite bored because it was so hot that you couldn't walk around very much. So he just read the same book over and over again. I mean, what what book was it? I you have no idea how much I wanted to find out. But he told he said he told you in in an interview once he said he couldn't remember. How do you not remember the same book you? How do you not remember the book you read when you were stuck in a desert over and over again? Yeah, I, that's something I would remember if I was lost in the desert for six days, but he doesn't. I feel like you don't forget, like, and they had water, right? Yeah. So it's not like he was, like, it's not like he was going in and out of of consciousness, right, from dehydration? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, okay, I was going to say, if he ha- if he didn't have water, I'd be willing to accept that and say, okay, he might not have been fully conscious the whole time, but he had water. Yeah, he, had, they had pl- he says they had enough water for a couple weeks, so he wasn't worried that they'd be rescued in, in time. Uh, he compliments the rescue effort profusely, saying, The Algerians had a well-organized, well-structured plan. Ground assets and air assets. Was they stuck in Algeria? When yeah, they, they were in Algeria, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize they'd go that far north, because he said they start started. They start stuck. in Paris and go oh. to Dakar. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so they go they go um, through southern Algeria, like the more desert part. Oh, okay, I think now the route is different. Back then, I think I don't think they started in Europe now. No, they don't. But back but, then they did. But back okay. then they did, yes. Okay, that makes sense. That yes. makes sense. Um, he says, it's still a dangerous event, and I can't remember a year when someone wasn't killed. Wait, how many times did he do it? Uh, he only did it once, shockingly. I know. <laughs> You'd think he'd be eager to do it again, but no. Can we do the Dakar rally? Yeah, sure. Wait, actually? Yeah, uh, after after we're done recording this, I'll uh, I'll sign us up for it. I actually, no, like, I actually, not gonna lie, I actually, like, considered finding like some crazy race just so i could like cosplay as mark thatcher you don't even have a driver's license yes i do you do i have a learner's permit yeah same i don't have a license either. okay but think about it two people with a learner's permits is one person with a driver's license that's not how that works think of it this way if you take two like think of it this way it's kind of like the trench coat thing where the kids try to get into an r-rated movie right where if they're three and a half feet tall they're seven feet tall it's like this if we wear the same jack if we wear the same extra 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 large jacket we will have the driving skills of one guy (laughs) i think what i would do is i would do what mark thatcher did where you just hire a very accomplished race car driver to be your main driver what did Uh, he do then uh, he did that. He hired Annie Charlotte Verne. No, but, but I mean, what did he do in the car? He's not a mechanic. He wasn't the driver. He was the co-driver. But they took turns driving. Oh, like one of them can sleep and stuff? I guess. I don't know how you could sleep in a car going 100 miles an hour, but I guess you do. I mean, people sleep on airplanes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so... Uh, he, M- Margaret was terrified the whole time, naturally, as mommy's favorite. Uh, she personally paid several thousand pounds for the thir- search effort, not out of state money, out of her own money. 
And uh, she also paid up an 11,500 dinar hotel bill that Mark Thatcher rang up after being rescued, supposedly a third of which was drinks. Wait, how much? How many people was he hanging out with? I don't know. Okay. So as of writing this, the exchange rate of one U.S. dollar is 139 Algerian dinars. Oh, okay. But I couldn't find the exchange rate in 1982. So I'm not sure how much it was back then. 11,500 dinars now would be about $83. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but was probably a lot in 1982 Algeria. I was going to say, I don't think... 19, and also, if the exchange rate was lower. Yeah, it might have been. I don't know. Or higher. What I don't know. what the, I have no idea what the exchange rate was. Uh, if we have anyone who like knows a lot about exchange rates, hit me up. Uh, he was interviewed, though, because this was like a big deal in the British press. They really covered it. Uh, and one of them was in Algiers, in Algiers after he was rescued. And he said he, said he just needed, quote... A beer and a sandwich and a bath and a shave to get over it. I feel like it takes a lot more than that. Uh, I don't know. It seems like it would really traumatize me, but um, I guess Mark Thatcher is just like such a bimbo that he just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, all right, on to the next thing. There's He's sort of like a human golden retriever in a lot of ways. There's a fine line between bimbo and badass in terms of being able to get over things and then just do stupid stuff again. There really is, now that you think, now that you mention it. Like, there's... There's a real like dichotomy there. Someone should write about that. There's, I want whoever's out here. If you're an artist slash uh, online lefty or online libertarian, doesn't really matter your political orientation. Um, could you please make the Virgin Chad meme where the uh, Virgin is a regular British aristocrat and the Chad is Mark Thatcher and and it's Mark Thatcher with and it's Mark Thatcher with like a with like a neon mohawk and it's uh tries to do dog car rally crashes and then in the virgin it's a guy with a fedora and it, above it is finishes dakar rally yeah okay i'll do that now for his business dealings now in 1984 two years after the dakar rally he was working for a firm called cementation international and he helped them win a contract for 450 million dollars to build a state-of-the-art university in oman Mark Thatcher appeared to genuinely not realize what was happening until later when he said, I suppose I have been naive. Naive to think that this Oman business was just to do with me and my partner and nothing to do with my mother. I see how they have used me to get at her. Was it just a money laundering operation? Uh, No, it was bribery. Oh, they were trying to bribe Margaret or Margaret was doing the bribery? Well, in 1984, uh, Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. So by giving a large contract to a firm represented by her son. Oh, they could get certain favors. Yes. This is going to be a recurring theme with Mark Thatcher, by the way. And I will leave it up to you, the listener, to decide if he's intentionally being corrupt or simply too genuinely stupid to realize when he's being corrupt. I think an argument could be made either way. This guy, can we have this guy on as our guest? Uh, if we, if you can get him, yes, I will absolutely interview him. This, w- I no. know more about his life than probably any person on earth. No, I don't <laughs> want to interview him. Okay. No, wait, he should go on Joe Rogan. He should go on Joe Rogan. He would probably have amazing things to say on Joe Rogan. No, you know how, um, what was I going to say? He'd have, like, what was it going to say? No, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan should have him on. Joe Rogan should absolutely have him on. I fully agree. I think we should go on Joe Rogan. We should go on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, if you're listening to this podcast, have us on. Joe, if you're listening to us, we can talk about so many things. We can talk about why Star Wars is better than Star Trek. Um, I would kill you. We can talk, we can talk about um, uh, like which Twitter guys are the best if you want to learn how to eat raw meat. Um, 
we can talk about your favorite diseases to get from eating nothing but raw meat. <laughs> um, uh, we can talk about why we should change running unopposed to tax uh, murderers or uh, tax Stantinople. Look, or, when we pivot to becoming an all right podcast, we can do that. Okay? It's Istanbul, not tax Stantinople. It's Istanbul, not tax Stantinople. Ba, 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 da, the I, works. I think that qualifies as parody. I don't think we can get sued for doing that. Istanbul, not Taxantinople. No, 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 Istanbul, not Taxantinople. Do not push it. And Spotify lawyers are very litigious. Wait, actually? Yes. Wait, wouldn't they might be giants uh, lawyers actually, who yeah, want to sue Spotify us? Spotify isn't going to give a shit. It's just the lawyers for they might be giants. If you're the lawyer for they might be giants, uh, don't hit us up. We don't want to talk to you. Anyways. If it's about guys who eat raw meat on twitter and then post about it then do hit yeah, us up then though. hit us up then you can hit us up um mark that margaret thatcher by the way is not innocent in this she heavily encouraged oman to give the contract to a british company and you can fill in the blanks on which british company she wanted them to give it to the one represented by mummy's favorite robin butler the private secretary to margaret thatcher once told a biographer quote she wanted to see mark right she sought the deal for mark she excluded everyone else from her talks with the Sultan. Mark was dealing with Brigadier Tom Landon, the Sultan's go-between. She behaved in a most peculiar way. I suspected the worst. Cementation, for their part, the company that he was employed by, admitted it quite openly. We did pay him. We used him because he is the Prime Minister's son. That is their exact quote. I would call this blatant corruption, and uh, it seems the UK government agrees with me. Because in 2016, some files relating to the scandal were set to be released, and the government instead decided to seal them until 2053. The decision to do this was made by John Whittingdale, who was Margaret Thatcher's political secretary towards the end of her time as prime minister. I found multiple articles saying people used to call him her, quote, toy boy. So um, you can choose to read something sexual into that if you want, or you can be like me and stoutly refuse to imagine Margaret Thatcher having sex. Wait, who was the toy boy? Tom Landon? John Whittingdale. Oh, I was on my phone. Sorry. Ah, uh, that's cool. Wait, who is John it's Whittingdale? It's not like I spent a week preparing the script or anything. It's S fine. I'm sorry. My mom is sick. Okay. Not like that sick. She's just in bed. Don't worry. <laughs> she's No, she's not like she's not in the hospital. She's uh, just that was a bed. real roller coaster of emotions there, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. They also chose not to release files relating to Mark Thatcher's dealings with Electronic Data Systems, an American computer company that hired him while it was bidding for some UK government contracts sometime in the 80s while Thatcher was prime minister. Even Thatcher didn't deny that she pushed for Cementation International to get the contract and didn't deny that her son knew she, he would pro that she knew her son would profit from the deal. She simply said she was, quote, betting for Britain because, you know, of course she was. So, uh, this all got exposed in 1984 and was a massive headache for Margaret Thatcher. But don't worry, her son's shady business dealings don't end here. And also, wait, how did this not have a bigger impact on the 87 election? Uh, a lot of it got buried. It was a big scandal, but the real, like, the real damaging quotes didn't come out till a couple years later. Oh, and I, oh, and, and at that point, that was when the media was still batting hardcore for the Tories? Yeah, basically. So, now we're getting into 1985, the Al-Yamama arms deal, in which British aerospace sold arms to Saudi Arabia, netting 45 billion, with a B, Great British Pounds. British aerospace, it should be noted, 
used to be a nationalized company. Uh, but before this deal, during the Thatcher administration, it was privatized. So let's get into this deal, because this is one of the two sort of big things I want to talk about, the other one being the Wonga coup, which we will probably save for part two. Um, Al-Yamama is Arabic for the dove, which is a pretty ironic thing to name your record-breaking arms sales to the Saudi military. I was going to say, I don't think the Saudi military is known for being dovish. That's correct. They're not. Neither was the British military under Margaret Thatcher. Also correct. Um, Saudi Arabia paid in oil, delivering hundreds of thousands of barrels per day to the British sometimes. In 2005, the CEO of BAE, the company that British Aerospace eventually became, said the deal had netted the company 43 billion GBP over the past 20 years. The Financial Times described Al-Yamama's second phase as the biggest British sale of anything to anyone ever and staggering both by its sheer size and complexity. I'm going to do my best to explain it, but I will also link uh, a, the information I got from a UK-based organization called Campaign Against the Arms Trade. Uh, their article is insanely long. I'm going to do my best to summarize it. Basically, the UK-Saudi relationship was a bit rocky in the years leading up to 1985 because Saudi Arabia supported Palestine and Lebanon against Israel, who the UK supported. This didn't totally stop them from trading, not even weapons, but it made things awkward that they were potentially selling weapons that might potentially get used against Israel, their close ally. So the U.S. doesn't want to sell Saudi Arabia any F-15s, and uh, the U.K. steps in and says, hey, we got these tornado planes, and uh, Saudi Arabia says, yeah, sure. And West Germany, who helped develop the tornado plane, say no, because they don't want to sell weapons to non-NATO countries. However, they owe Saudi Arabia a lot of money. Wait for oil, yeah. Oh, first they were in debt to Saudi Arabia. Yes, I feel like just given the dynamics of like global politics, if anything, Saudi Arabia would have been in debt to West Germany. Nope. Although I guess during the oil crisis, I assume they were probably giving a. They're really asking Saudi Arabia for a bailout, or not a bailout, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Once again, everything comes back to the oil crisis. Regardless, uh, Israel gets very mad, uh, as do some sections of the U.S. Congress, but negotiations continue. And it makes sense that Israel was nervous, as 48 of these planes were part of the, quote, strike variant of the tornado model, which was designed specifically for attacking. And only 24 of them were, quote, interceptor variants designed for defensive use. How much did Saudi Arabia actually support the PLO materially as opposed to just rhetorically? Um, that is a very complicated question that I didn't really look into. I'm going to go with now that it would be just rhetorical. Back then, it might have been more material. Okay, because I know a lot of Arab countries, still there's still long-standing taboo against recognizing Israel. But at this point, a lot of their support for Pal for like the PLO, for example, and Fatah, the Palestinian Authority, is just basically saying Israel's stealing land, but they're not really selling weapons to Fatah or any other organizations. Yeah, a lot of them do like what Morocco does, where they're like perfectly willing to do business with Israel, and then they'll like say free Palestine, but they're also doing business with Israel, so like clearly they don't mean it. Or it'll be like in Europe, where like they pass a UN resolution that's like, no, stop, you can't do that, but then they're like, anyway. Yeah, but then they will continue doing business with Israel. <laughs> so yeah, they don't actually care. Yeah. Um, so... Interestingly, barter deals such as oil for weapons are traditionally forbidden by international trade rules. But for some really weird reason, military sales are exempted from this rule. So trading planes for oil is fine. 
The two main people who sold the Saudi leadership on this deal were Dick Evans, a salesman for BAE who later became a knight and chair of the company's board, and Margaret Thatcher herself, who Jane's Defense Weekly, a sort of defense industry-oriented magazine. Uh, you can find some of their articles on Internet Archive. They're quite interesting. Are they just Soldier of Fortune but less insane? A lot less insane than Soldier of Fortune because they didn't have ties to the militia movement the way Soldier of Fortune did. And Soldier of Fortune would... Have Robert like K. Brown will probably be an episode topic at some point. Uh, I'm fascinated I, by him, but we'll get into that later. Soldier of Fortune has like a lot of weird stories. This just sounds like a business magazine for people who like the military. Yeah, this is more like a defense industry publication rather uh, than a publication for guys who fantasize about doing the Oklahoma City bombing on a regular basis. Yeah, this just sounds like, oh, like you want to hear about the deal we're doing with like Israel and Saudi Arabia and other countries now read our magazine and we'll tell you the yeah. scoop the the magazine is still going I think um, they just it's like defense industry trade publication uh, okay um, yeah you, you can buy a subscription to it if you really want what's it called Jane's defense weekly Jane's defense yes uh, they described Margaret Thatcher as leading a personal sales campaign this deal also had a massive impact on the oil markets um, OPEC got really mad at Saudi Arabia for doing a deal in terms of buying things with oil and not exchanging it for money. Um, this also, um, uh, where was it? In 1986, also Reagan was trying to sell hundreds of millions of dollars worth of missiles to Saudi Arabia in Congress. And uh, that effort died because of negative U.S. perception of Saudi Arabia and also due to Saudi Arabia's role in Iran-Contra which is way too complicated to get into right now, but we'll eventually do Oliver North or Caspar Weinberger and explain it then. The UK, for its part, had no restrictions on the use of weaponry, so Saudi Arabia could do whatever it wanted with these planes, and the UK would not care. And in 1988, military spending was about a third of the Saudi budget. These guys were buying so much military equipment from the UK, it's, it's kind of hard to contemplate. Mostly planes, bombs, and various kinds of missiles. So, do you understand the Algamama arms deal? I, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's... I, I will link the campaign against the arms trade explanation of it, because yeah. it's a lot better. I am still, uh, I'm still recovering from finals, so if you just don't get a response from me for a while, you know why. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just giving you a warning. Yes. So, I think we're going to finish out Aliyamama and then cut it there. Okay. And then I'll go into his late, the, finish out the 80s, the 90s, and the Wanga coup, and that'll be part two. Okay. Okay. So, how does Mark Thatcher play into this? Well, dear listener, a man named Wafiq Saeed was a go between for the Saudi and British governments. The Guardian said that the police investigations found over, get ready for this number, six billion Great British pounds that had been paid in what are known as quote-unquote commissions. A lot of this was done through BAE overbilling the Saudis, subcontractors overbilling BAE, etc., but some of it was done through offshore accounts. Around 15 million Great British Pounds went to Prince Bandar, who's probably going to be an episode at some point, because uh, he's been a key player in like Saudi and domestic foreign politics for quite a while. In 2001, he was asked about corruption in the Saudi royal family and said this, quote, if you tell me that building this whole country out of 400 billion that we misused or got 50 billion, I'll tell you yes. So what? We did not invent corruption. This has happened since Adam and Eve. It's really just human nature. So uh, he's just a swell guy all around. Uh, yeah. He's not even, it doesn't even sound like he he's denying the denying, corruption. No. He's just saying, 
I do it, but so does everyone else. So I'm just as bad as everyone else. Literally, yes, that is what he said. Um, I love how his response is everyone's as, as shitty human being as I am. That's correct. I'm not the only one who sells, who, who does illegal deals. Come on. Therefore, yeah. it's fine. Look, just because we were selling weapons to one of the worst countries on earth doesn't mean that we're the bad guys. Are we the baddies? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like once you're selling $45 billion worth of, or GBP worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia, you should maybe stop and be like, hey, maybe we're the bad guys. I was going to say, I feel like you cease to be a moral authority on anything. I feel like Britain ceased being a moral authority on foreign policy quite a while ago. But like any chance they had to regain that, they clearly quashed. Yeah, yeah. Um... What else? Um, BAE also made these payments through a, uh, an offshore company called Pos- Poseidon, with very few records of its existence. They also spent around 60 million GBP on Prince Turkey bin Nasser, which I think is a very funny name. <laughs> uh, Prince Turkey bin Nasser was the head of the Saudi Air Force, and since this deal was mostly for fighter planes, he was, um, let's say, courted. Uh, some sources said he received a billion pounds. Uh, that's a billion with a B. That's a lot of pounds. Now, Mark Thatcher, he received at minimum, this is the absolute lowest possible estimate if you interpret all of the evidence in his favor, he received a one million pound house in London's Belgravia district. Million? Yes. He even admitted to this. He received an unknown amount of direct cash payments as part of his commissions for the deal. A Guardian article I found said that he received up to 12 million uh, British pounds, which would be around 14.3 million U.S. dollars uh, in 1986 money. So a lot more back then. Um, The house was purchased by Wafiq Saeed, that guy I mentioned earlier, who claims that he only profited from the deal because it involved construction contracts that involved his companies. I feel pretty confident, having reviewed what the press said about the deal, and that he was more involved in the deal than that and directly profited off of it quite a bit, as did Mark Thatcher. Wafik Saeed, it should be noted, (laughs) is also a close associate of, I guess, labor apparatchik Peter Mandelson and has given around 500,000 Great British Pounds to the Tory party. Wait, who is friends with Peter Mandelson? Wafik Saeed. Oh. Yeah. Uh... There's also the Saeed School of Business at Oxford, which is named after him, Wafiq Saeed. Uh, probably because he gave them 20 million Great British Pounds. That doesn't seem like enough to have a school founded after you, or named after you. That sounds like uh, that sounds enough for a building, not a school. I think it is a building. But I think st- it's like the building that houses the business classes. I guess, but I don't know. It, it feels like... It, that feels like enough to have like a dormitory named after you, but not an entire section of of the ed- of your education. You know, I wouldn't know. Talk to Oxford. Regardless. I will. Twenty million pounds. They are they are really selling. <laughs> they are really letting guys get away with underbidding. Yeah, um, there probably isn't enough on Wafiq Saeed for a full episode. He's a weird guy, though. He had citizenship in like five countries. Um, if we ever do episodes on people from Saudi Arabia, he will absolutely come up again. Um, also, I looked for an Adnan Khashoggi connection because, of course, I did. I couldn't find one. Who's Adnan Khashoggi? Uh, f- the family member of Jamal Khashoggi and very famous Saudi arms dealer. Oh, 
I know who Jamal Khashoggi is. Yeah, I did not um, know who Adnan was. Very infamous Saudi arms dealer who I will eventually cover and explain his whole deal. What if I want to cover him? Okay, fine. You can cover it. I don't care. Um, I never. I didn't say I want to. I just <laughs> said what if. What if I want to? All right, we'll we'll figure that out later. So that's about all I have on all your mama. He sounds cool. I want to cover him. He is cool. Well, he's not cool. He's very bad, and he's dead now. He was very bad. So that's I think where we're going to end off. Stay tuned for part two when we cover Mark Thatcher's adventures in America, which are quite wild, uh, and also his move to South Africa. Because, um, as we all know, when you're a white person, uh, moving to South Africa means you're only about to do good things. I mean, it was after apartheid, He right? did move after apartheid. Yeah, he moved in 1995, which was, I think, a year after apartheid ended. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Don't worry, though. He moved to, like, a mostly white suburb. <laughs> and that's all for this episode of Taxstantinople. Come back next week. Uh, uh, uh. We've been running unopposed. Uh, as always, our theme song was provided by at official remix maniacs on Instagram. Our our Twitter at is at opposed pod. Our email is running unopposed pod at gmail.com. Uh, contact us. Say hi. It would be nice to know that anyone listens to this. That's all for Taxstantinople. That's all for running unopposed. For Taxis. <laughs> Taxistan. For the Taxis podcast. Taxistan. Tax Korea. I'm really running short here. Someone DM me. Tax Korea and also North Tax Korea. <laughs> Let's see. Um, uh, Do they have taxes in North Korea? I assume so. Okay. Let's see. Um, uh, I think it'd be funny if North Korea was like secretly a libertarian paradise. <laughs> Labrador and New Taxland. Um, I'm going to kill you with a rock. Tax West Territories. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you can just run out the clock. It's fine. Tax Cirque. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Taxatan Peninsula. Like the Yucatan Peninsula? Yes. Okay, sure. Taxiago de Cuba. Like Santiago? Yes. Okay, sure. Why not? Um, Taxer and Wall. And join us next week, part two of Mark Thatcher. Uh, the king, the kings are back. Taxican City. Yes, totally. <laughs> Is it like Vatican City? Yes, Vatican City. Thing that will probably come up on this podcast if we ever cover the P two Lodge. Should we just? I, I think our new bit should be. I just come up with puns on the word tax. Throughout, I think that's gonna get old really. No, quick. I think you should host all the episodes, and I just come in being like a. Uh, Something about Australia, but taxes. I think it's kind of unfair to make me host all the episodes. It's a lot of work to prepare well, these episodes. Well, I'm doing the work of the puns. That's not any work. Yes, it is. You're just coming up with a city name. Tax Stantinople is uh, good. Okay, Taxico City. <laughs> Taxico? What the fuck? That's like fuck, Mexico City. That's fucking... You're not making a pun. Why? Are you, what are you doing with taxes? But Stop. <laughs> no, you're not good at this. Um, um, hey, Tax City. Uh, new taxi, like New Jersey. No, that's terrible. Uh, Taxon, like Trenton. No, let me do the tax stuff. <laughs> uh, Texago, like Chicago. No, it'd be tax Chicago. What? <laughs> that's not even a pun. That's just two words. No, because you're add. It's one word because you're adding tax. I hate you. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> tax Minneapolis. Taxiapolis. <laughs> Persepolis. 
our brains have just been degenerated by just a- being on the internet all day for the yeah, last four I, years. Yeah, I spent um, all of last week just like practicing Chinese. So um, that, that's about all the brain capacity I have left for this week. <laughs> just um, us saying taxes, but adding city names. <laughs> um, join us next week when we cover the thing you know Mark Thatcher for, the Wanga coup. Uh, that'll be at the end of the episode, though, because we have a bunch more financial crimes we have to cover before then. I really want, hope that there are other <laughs> that there are like European versions of us that are just like tax Crimea, <laughs> tax Kazakhstan. It's like a German version of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is Rose on und Gabe. Welcome to Vanning Unopposed. <laughs> no, it'd be no, it'd be welcome to Taxista. No, Taxstantinople. You speak a little German. How do you say running unopposed in German? I don't know. Okay. Let's God, see. You're worthless uh, to me. I'm trying to think. Uh, wait, can we please change our episode to Tax Murderers? I'll, I'll make the episode title The Tax Murderers. How about that? N- not No, not for this one. That's not how it works. It has to be like something about the Dakar rally. It has to be like... Um, uh, Lost in Paris. <laughs> yeah. It has to, or it has to be like... Uh, like I'm trying to think. Uh, What's this? Sleepless in Southern Algeria. Something like that. Okay, yeah. We'll think of... We'll, we'll workshop it yeah. off mic. All right. This, this intro has gone on way too long. I'm Rose. I'm Gabe. And this has been Taxis. <laughs> this has Wait, been Metaxis. What's better? Taxis or Taxistan? Taxstantinople or I New Taxistan? I like New Tax City. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. It sounds like a cool like 90s movie. All right. Anyways... Uh, see you guys next week. North Rhine Taxfolia. Sure. <laughs> Who are we covering after Mark Thatcher? Are we doing the Reichsburgers? Oh, I was thinking maybe Menachem Begin. Okay. Yeah. We'll 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 figure it out. Yeah. We'll do either that or the Reichsburgers yeah. next week after Mark Thatcher. But next yeah. week is Mark Thatcher Part Two. Yeah. See you then, listeners. And until then, have a good week. Yep. <laughs>